HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, sharing nothing but the best in whole grain nutrition and committed to their mission of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45 from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Joined, as usual, with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing, Stas? Good. Yeah, good? Yeah? yeah. For real? Yeah. yeah. Tell, tell him why you're good. Because he got really freaked out. Oh, uh, all right. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. We got Dave in the booth. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah? How about you? Doing all right. All right. Uh, and before I say, we have some special guests, but uh, call in all of your cooking or other kind of, any kind of question, really. Nastasi, do we really care what kind of no, questions they any, ask? any issue. Any issue. Mm-hmm. So we're going beyond just straight cooking issues, and we're just any issues. Call issues. Your, issues. Call in your questions to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. And I guess uh, it's been kind of a rough week for a lot of the countries, so we should start out just, you know... Our thoughts are going out to everyone who's been, you know, hit either by Harvey or Irma or any one of the other things that's going on right now. Um, but we have uh, two guests, longtime uh, recurring guests. We got uh, Paul Pote uh, Adams from. Uh, what are you at now? What are you doing now? <laughs> Cooks Illustrated. I don't read my emails. No, you give his email address. Oh, I don't read. Oh, well, that's not. I didn't give his full email. So you're at Cooks Illustrated now, full time. Yes. Uh, are you an Illustrated cook full time? Do you live in Boston now? No. I live in Queens. Let me ask you a question, Paul. Any question? Okay, so I have the entire first several years of Cook's Illustrated going back to 1993, which is when it started. Wow. And some of the original Cook's Illustrated recipes from 1993, like, for instance, their muffin recipe, still I use that muffin recipe. It's a good muffin recipe. Yeah. Uh, Here's what I don't like about Cook's Illustrated. They're always like the best this, the best that. You can't say anything's the best anything. It's like, it's like, here's a path. Clickbait. Here's the path. Have you had better muffins? 
uh, I haven't really tried. I was like, then it's the best. Egg. I was like, these muffins are good enough. It's the best. But then how do they then then like here's the thing: if you've been reading it since 1993, they'll come back like 20 years later and they'll write the best, and it's a different recipe. I'm like, can't both be freaking true. Well, you have to check the date. So wait, it's new not, bests. Now supersede. No, no. Just say, just best. say, here is an interesting take on what the journey to muffinhood looks like. First of all, a, like a better muffin, muffin than hood. any preceding muffin. Do you like muffins? No. What the hell's wrong with you, Nastasi? Do you like? Well, before we get into this, we also have Lauren Ressler, who is partner in the Empayon Empire, formerly pastry chef at the Empayon Empire, but now just general empresario and wizard. How you doing? Yeah, and and this is awesome because this is for the first time in a long time. It is take your kid to work life, but <laughs> kids, but not mine this time. So who do we got here? Jackson. We got Jackson, who's two and a half years old. Hey, Jackson, that's a good age. Stay and that way. On his second day of school, so Ooh. super exciting. Yeah, nice. And we have Parker, who is three months old. He's he's got a question for you. What is yes, he? darling. He's going to ask a pastry-related question. Uh, all right, so what do you got going on? What's, what's going on? What's shaking? What's interesting? Well, um, you know, I've uh, had two kids, so that takes a bit of a toll on working the line in a, in a restaurant. I bet. Uh, so pretty much once I was pregnant enough with Jackson and more of an inconvenience in the kitchen than a help, uh, I've kind of been on a little retirement. But uh, doing cakes on the side you know, helping out friends with birthday parties. And uh, then uh, it just so happened that a cake was Instagrammed by uh, DJ Natalie from Baby DJ School in Brooklyn. And then all of a sudden, a few of her clients were reaching out to me via Instagram. Oh, I want that cake, too. I want that cake, too. So kind of spiraled into a little side business of uh, kids' birthday cakes and so like like first a couple things what's what's baby dj what is this oh, baby <laughs> that was DJ my question school. too yeah it's um it's actually a quite a phenomenon in williamsburg uh really cool young lady named natalie uh started this group uh she just teaches kids anywhere from to- like infants to young toddlers i think to four years old or something like that um how to DJ, play like, with DJ like equipment. School, like scratch, yeah, like, like crossfade? Yeah, she has like all this different you know, equipment that she brings with her to other someone's house with, if they're hosting it or if they come to her apartment where she hosts it as well. Um, she even did it in McCarran Park a couple summers ago. Please tell me they're like rocking like the Technics platters with wiggles she, on it, with the wiggles. Was, please, <laughs> please. No, it's, it's actually like she has old school records, like uh, things that you... I've never even heard of, but... Uh, so it's not like one little duck. No. <laughs> no, but she'll like... Uh, what was it? I think she played... Oh, she actually played uh, You Down With OPP the other day. Uh, or yeah. One time, and I was like, oh, should we be playing that for children? Well, I've noticed that A, a kids don't understand what that means. And for some reason, over the past five years, when I was... When it was actually relatively current, when I was in high school, college... Like, it would get played, but, like, it wouldn't get played at weddings. Now every wedding plays it. And I saw, I was at a wedding for a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, uh, and he, they literally, they played OPP, not really appropriate for a wedding. And uh, for those of you that don't know what this song's about, not appropriate for a wedding. You don't know? Family show. Well, some people say it stands for property, Nastasia. But then the uh, uh-huh. but then the minister was freaking getting down to it. No. The freaking minister was, like, it's, it's was, like. other people's. You know, it depends. It can be, but the good yeah, thing about, he has no idea what it means. The good thing is it's gender neutral because it because they both yeah. they both Property. start with P. Yeah, 
Well, or certain euphemisms for yes. them both start with P. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, the point is, but that's one of those, like, now it's like a wedding standard thing, yes. which I had no idea. Like, why would you play that? Well, what I've been noticing, every wedding I've been to this year, the DJ is a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think this all goes back to Natalie. It does. So now, okay, so what style of, first of all, is this like, is this like intentionally rich people's cakes? Um, well, no, I mean, like, it, I kind of charge as, as, a, as detailed as they need it to be. So um, I don't even have, like, a set pricing yet. I'm still working on that. But, uh, like, one party I did was actually for, a woman, for one woman who had two boys. And so I had basically this, this cake that on top of it, there is a rectangular smash cake. Which but what's is, a smash cake? Oh, for, for first birthdays. What, um, what, what is this? The kid gets their own individual little cake that they can destroy and get all over themselves. And Just thinking about that makes me queasy. But that, <laughs> because then, you know, you're not ruining everyone else's nah, cake bite. Yeah, yeah. So, so wait, was it on top, though? So now top. I have mangled particles? No, because right. so what, what I do is I have the regular cake, which is like maybe a big rectangle, and then... Um, the rectangle, a smaller rectangle on top, which is the DJ booth. I cover that in like fondant, uh, and then I make a little gum paste avatar that is similar looking to the child. Nice. And they're like with headphones on. But like and for real made, sunglasses. not like three D printed. You're not no, no, like three D no, printing no, like, the, the like child's Play-Doh, head. You know, right. and uh, they're standing up like spinning, and um, and then when it comes time to serve the cake, I just take off the DJ booth, give that to the individual birthday kid. And then everyone else gets clean cake. That's not nice. Not yucky. mangled. Yeah, no one really wants that mangled cake. Although the fondant's a nice touch because you can brush off most disgusting things. Of course. I, by the way, I'm this guy. I love actual fondant. I, like I like You're it like with the, the, the one person in the yeah, world with the almond paste underneath, like old school Arsene. stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And you know what? I don't like buttercream. But apparently I'm the only guy. I mean, like, I'm not afraid of grease. You know what I mean? So I don't know why I'm not a huge buttercream fan, but I'm just not. But there are different hmm. styles of buttercream. Uh, yes. There's that whole literally butter-powdered sugar and vanilla yes. extract. But then there's also what I do is an Italian meringue buttercream. Yeah, I, or an they, egg white buttercream. I mean, think I would actually, you know what I, I love? Like, okay, so you, I like fondant icing. I love the, even though you can't do it on a, this kind of cake because it doesn't last, I like the old school straight up meringue icings. Mm-hmm. Those are delicious. Oh, yeah. I like cream cheese icing on a carrot cake. I like, do you like that? Do you like the, uh, that crunchy coconut uh, German chocolate cake icing stuff? I've always loved German chocolate cake. Really? I do. Just. I've, that's like one of my one of my favorites. Really, yeah. Paul? Where are you standing on this? I like it. I imagine this is the thing that Stasia does not like. I like it. You like it? Mm-hmm. Oh. See, oh. LA girls unite. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. I, like that's like right up. To, it's got like little things in it. Nastasia mm-hmm. hates things with little things. Mm-hmm. Pistachios and coconut, or not pistachios. Um, pecans and coconut usually. But you hate pecan pie, right, Stas? I don't like pecan. Okay. I don't either. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> We're All right. from the same Paul? area. Hmm. Love it. Ah, oh, there you go. We okay. were actually born in the same hospital. Oh, yeah. come on, really? Like a month apart from yeah. each other. Really? I found out because she was listening to the same music that they played in L.A. What does that mean? I don't know, like a certain era. I don't, like yeah. what, like Sublime? Yeah. Possibly. Kind, kind of, or a little deeper. <laughs> deeper? Remember, yeah, like obscure. You were listening There's to nothing I deeper than I, Sublime. <laughs> like, Literally, well, like if you I, take its name at face value. I think you actually even said also that you. I was talking to someone and I said like yeah, a, said word a word or something and, and like, you were like, wait, that's my area. Yeah. Like Covina. You're also from Covina? I was technically born in... Uh, 
arcade, well, in La Cañada. I don't know and what that means. Is that good or bad? No, it's that's the, the town. Uh, but uh, I grew up in Arcadia, California. Also, is that good or bad? Now? It just, it just is. It just is. All right, so it's back to cakes. <laughs> so, like, there's a long-going thing with cakes in my mind. Maybe I'm just... Because I like to, I like, to like, create fights in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Between groups of people. So the fight that I have in my mind is the, uh, like, the, the image cake, the cake as, like object mm-hmm. and then the cake as flavorful thing that I eat. Right. Do you th- a, do you think that's a real dichotomy and B, where do you stand on that? I always, and, and my husband is very much this way too, is flavor is the first thing. You have to have a good, a good cake that's nice and moist that's, I mean, doesn't matter what it looks like at the end if it tastes great. By the way, she mentioned her husband, that's Alex Stupak, and just to let you know, if... If you said something tasted good and it wasn't, it was low quality, he might... I'm not saying he would punch you, but he no. wouldn't be... He's not... He doesn't... He'll death stare you. Yeah, he doesn't enjoy things that he thinks are bad. We say it's accurate? He doesn't enjoy things he thinks are bad. In other words, he doesn't, like... He can't, like, let things slide so oh, yeah, much. No. That's no. sort of just like you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know. We're different about it, though. I mean, like, he's really, like... I feel like I've seen him... I don't know him that well, but I feel like I've seen him be kind of, like, deeply emotionally hurt by a low-quality dish. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Well, Other people's acceptance time, of a low-quality dish. I was gonna say, but at the same time, at home, he'll, like, eat a mayonnaise sandwich, you know? Uh, mayonnaise is delicious. <laughs> It's a good product. Uh, we've actually talked about, instead of him having a man cave, having a mayonnaise cave. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> mayonnaise cave. Uh, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not going to give too much out, but you know, I'm working on a new new bar p- right now, and we will have a mayonnaise program. What? Oh my goodness. We're going to have a mayonnaise program. We won't call it out, but like, we are going to have a wide variety of mayonnaises. I have found that uh, mayonnaise is delicious. And for those people who do not enjoy mayonnaise... I'm not saying you have to have mayonnaise on a French fry, but if you don't like mayonnaise on a French fry, just grow up. <laughs> just grow up. You know what I mean? It's like, it tastes good. It does. It tastes good. You know? not a, Like, when I was a kid, I would put, now nah, this is bad. I would put mayonnaise on hot dogs when I was a kid. Ew. Why is that bad? Because you're supposed to put mustard on a freaking hot dog. Well, yeah. There, there are those, those diehards that mm. only mustard or mustard and relish, maybe. M- uh, mustard and kraut. Oh, yes, that, yes. I'm a mustard and kraut fellow. I mean, I was the kid who put mustard and ketchup on my hot dog. So Yeah, I did that sometimes when I was a kid. I sometimes would put all three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, let me tell you something about, uh, about sauerkraut. I feel that the average American hasn't had, I'm sure the listeners here are otherwise, but the average American has not had good sauerkraut. The sauerkraut that you buy that's been like, like, uh, like preserved and stabilized and whatever in the hell else they do. No offense to the Sabret Corporation, but they're like Sacco sauerkraut that the average person is buying in a supermarket. It's garbage. Compared yeah. to real sauerkraut, oh, I mean, absolutely. it's straight up garbage. It's not even the same product. It doesn't taste the same. It's like, it's not right. No. The sauerkraut we make at our house, it stinks up the entire fridge, basically. Yeah, but that's what you want. That's what you want. That's what you want. Okay, so back to the cakes. Okay, so back so, to the cakes, yeah. Um, so flavor, of course, is the first thing. Um, I'm personally not a fan of too much gum paste and fondant as more so than the cake. Like, you know, you see all those things where it's like they have these beautiful sculpturesque cakes and stuff, but it's like 75% fondant or gum paste and... For structure or just for looks? Just for like the looks. Right. And to me that's, I mean, it, yeah, it's art and all, but 
the kids, if it's for a kids' party, they want the cake. I mean, yeah. unless you have a sheet cake in the back, which I'm totally down with. But you, you are down with that. So you're down with, uh, like, yeah, you're down with, like, the cake as, like, a hat. It's almost like an Easter bonnet. And know, then you have, like, a sheet cake in the back. I never thought I was. But then when I lived in Chicago for a year, I was working at a bakery, Bittersweet. Uh, it's called Bittersweet. <laughs> and uh, we were all about making these faux cakes that, you know, are made of styrofoam. And they're just decorated. And they just have one little wedge cut out. Uh, that you insert real cake so that the bride and groom can do their ceremony. Oh, yeah, what are ceremonial. your thoughts on that? That's creepy. It to, awesome. It's creepy, though. But it's, no, because then in the back, everyone has not fondant-covered, delicious cake. Okay, okay. I, well, okay. they reuse it, that cake. That's what's creepy about no. it. So, so no, no, you don't reuse maybe it. Maybe you didn't. No. Come Where does on. the wedge come, come from? Come on, yeah. You're baking they, they, individual no. wedge. They basically have like a plywood styrofoam cake. And then they just insert the fake wedge for the cut and the no. face smash. I do not believe in the face smash, people. Does no. anyone here believe in the face smash? What is that? With what do you, the what is that? room feed oh. each other the first time. And then, and then you're like, oh, oops, and you shove it in their face. No, no, no good. And the, no good. And, but the, the thing is, is it like I've heard that you like, re, that people reuse the blank. No, I've never, ever heard that. Because I'd be no, like, because they, because it, I'd it's be like, do those people get divorced or not? Did it stick? Was the marriage good? Because I don't want a cake that has a bad record. No, no, because why would you pick, like the bakery wouldn't go back and pick it up. Like once you drop off a cake, that's, that's it. You never see those people again. Oh, I was thinking, because well, I, I associate it with like big houses that do weddings, like where they have like three weddings a day and they're just crank a lanky oh, out. No. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? No. You've been there? It's like, it's like, nch, nch, yeah. wedding? No. You know yeah. what I mean? Wedding machines? I've, I, I've, no, because you can't also do that because the cake, the faux cake is already, is, is completely covered in fondant and then once a slice is taken out, you have a... I'm making air quotes, people. What about the top three layers? Uh, you know, I, when I've done wedding cakes, uh-huh. um... Like I, actually, my husband and I never did that whole ceremonial eat your one year anniversary cake that's been in the freezer. My cousin ate. My cousin oh. went into my aunt and uncle's house and took it and ate it. Oh, yours? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Which cousin? I'm not going to call him out on it. Well, but my mom actually did save that top layer for us to have that ceremonial thing, and we never did it. And I think just last year she finally threw it out, or maybe this this past year she just threw it out. We've you been married for 10 it? years. You didn't just eat it? No, we've been married for 10 years. I'm not going to eat. It's been frozen. Yeah, frostbite. Yeah. It might as well lick an ice cube. I mean, but yeah, but you know, for tradition, I would lick an ice cube. I'm the guy who my, one of my greatest desires in life is to cook a woolly mammoth as it gets pitched out of the permafrost in Siberia because of global warming. All time life goals, people. <laughs> if you know anyone in Siberia who has access to any sort of woolly mammoth that's just starting to come out of the ice, so it's still frozen, you know, it's a mere 12,000 years old. Oh my. That would be sweet. Wouldn't you eat that, Paul? Yeah, that'd be great. Do you know Paul has been on the Vomit Comet? I you familiar with the Vomit Comet? No. So the Vomit... Parker's apparently familiar. Definitely familiar. With the Vomit Comet. But the, uh, so, uh, Vomit Comet is what they use to train astronauts. Do they allow, and so what they do is, is they fly uh, parabolic trajectories so that you feel weightless when you're Uh in air. And then I was like, well, maybe we could serve food on the Vomit Comet as part of a museum of food and drink kind of thing. But then Peter was like, it's called the Vomit Comet. You can't serve food on something where half the people are projected to vomit. Paul, did you eat food on the Vomit Comet? I didn't, but I would have. I certainly would have. I don't think they would allow that stuff on the plane, would they? Would they allow you to bring like a, a Capri Sun pouch on the uh, on the vomit comet? Yeah, 
Definitely, if you're paying. Did you vomit on the Vomit Comet? Only one person vomited. Out of how many? Out of at least 45 people. Interesting fact for you Vomit Comet folks out there. Uh, you actually go weightless on the up trajectory, which I didn't realize. Hi. Hi. What's up? All right, so, so we're talking about cakes. So what's your favorite cake? To, what do kids like these days? Um, and do you like, you said you like sheet cakes. I understand it's like, it's, it's the best like icing to cake ratio right, and exactly. it's the best bake off. Yes. In other words, like you're only, Even. if you mess up, you're only messing up the edges and the vast majority of your sheet cake is okay. Mm-hmm. There's something not as enjoyable about the square block of cake as the sweet, sweet wedge of like good old fashioned American well, cake. But I still double, I still do a layer uh, with the, with the sheet cake. So it's, it's, you still get a good, Good, good. Cut in. Good so it's not like it's not like Entenmann's. No. It's not like Entenmann's aluminum no, foil. No, no, no. Uh, no, I, I like to do a. Again, it's. It, I don't do that for kids uh, so much, but. Uh, I. Uh, she doesn't like the wall there. What anyway. are you doing there, Miss? Sorry. Anyway, um, so, uh, so like, what's your favorite flavor there for the for the kids? What are they? What are kids? I want chocolate. You know, I I do serve devil's food to kids That's and good. tell the parents that there is espresso powder in there. So he, is there? He, oh yeah. You ever have kids running around and pooping out all over everything? Uh, I I drop off a cake and leave. So if, if that <laughs> and happens, then, and then they drop it off yeah. and leave. So a funny story. A friend of mine who uh, once babysat a small Chihuahua. Now things that Chihuahuas should not have: chocolate and yes. coffee, and this dog got into a couple chocolate-covered espresso beans, and apparently it was jumping. I don't own a chihuahua. Apparently the dog was jumping into the air and then projectile pooping onto the wall. Wow. And so oh, now dear. like, I have this image how of this, like, I don't know, like maybe like armadillo jumping height. You know how armadillos bounce? Like In my mind, this, this chihuahua is like boing, boing, pss, boing, pss, boing, pss, like all over the wall. That's my image. It sounds amazing. I know, but it's not really safe to do to a, a very small amount of chocolate can throw a dog uh, for you know a pretty bad loop. All right. Oh yeah. All right. What about carrot cake? That was my wedding cake. I love carrot cake. That's my favorite. Uh, I like. Except I don't like it with raisins in it. And like in general. I don't like raisins in cake. Yeah. At all. Part, no. Do you enjoy raisin cinnamon bread? Yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, for some reason I don't know because well the crumb is is much fluffier and finer on a carrot cake and then you've got this raisin that just it bites too much with me do you like panettone toasted like a slice not not like just straight cut from the cake because of the fruit i think so do you like dense things like fruit cake you know i honestly don't know that i've had a legit fruit cake i really don't know that i have paul fruit cake it's good Nastasia? I don't think I've had a real one. Why? Because you're just opposed to the I idea? I don't, I've never I don't come think across I've, yeah. one. It's a gummy, dense block of sugar. You buy it this year and you eat it next year. Mail order. <laughs> oh. the, the cake of record is Claxton's. Yeah. But I don't know whether or not. Uh, anyway, okay, let's, get, let's answer some questions. You ever made uh, uh, buckwheat uh, galettes? No. You think of crepes? They're like yeah. crepes, but they're made of buckwheat. Yeah. So, anyway, I have a question. Should we get to some questions? Sure. Yeah. Paul, do you have any Cook's Illustrated stuff? You ever worked on crepes? Never worked on crepes. I make buckwheat pancakes. Yeah, but you cheat. You add regular flour to it, right? Or you go straight? Yeah. Okay, well, that's the whole point of this freaking question. So, like, the thing is, is, okay, first of all, uh, I would have, this is from, who's this from? This is from Caleb. 
I would have tested these recipes myself, except for I have no gas in my building. These idiots, I don't know they're idiots, maybe they're good people. Maybe they're good people and idiots. You know, you, know, you, can, be, you can be an idiot and be a good person. You know what I mean? They broke through the gas line while they were working on our building, and now the whole building is out of gas. And they're like, I was like, okay, so like you're going to fix it like tomorrow? And they're like, well, uh, well, uh, the permitting is going to take like six weeks. The permitting is going to take six weeks. Now, people, I don't know if you know this. We live in New York City here. We pay a buttload of taxes to live in this freaking city. If an entire building with like 500 people in it, like is not on, like has no gas, maybe you could expedite the freaking permit because you know it's just some person sitting in a room somewhere going. You know what I mean? So it's like, why can't they just like accelerate that for all the people that are there? You know what I mean? It's not like I'm trying to get a gas permit for a building that is like being built in three months. Yeah. And you're like, if you needed a permit now, why didn't you ask for it six weeks ago? You know, this like the thing just broke, like emergency permit. And there are people living there. Yeah. And you know what? Like, sure. Like, you know, like I can go like go out or in fact, I have a really nice induction burner so I can cook without it. You know what I mean? But there's plenty of people who can't afford to necessarily eat out every night who like rely on their gas because mm-hmm. it's not like we have, an, uh, you know, a lot of electricity in our apartments because New York City apartments, one of the reasons we don't uh, often have like electric ovens or this kind of stuff is just because we don't have a big enough electric service into our units to be able to do it. But what if six weeks Anyways, so so Caleb, I couldn't actually test this. But also, you know, I used to have a real crepe maker, Crampus, a real Crampus crepe maker gas. What? It's that big thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have it hooked up right now. I I had it hooked up at the old place. I'm going to get it hooked up again. Dax misses it. I love it more than almost any other piece of hot side equipment because it just screams like a mother. It's so much better than any electric crepe maker I've ever used or any wussy. Everyone's like, I make crepe cakes on my stove with my crepe pan. I'm like, no, you don't. You know what I mean? I'm like, like a real, like, I mean, you do. I'm not saying your crepes are bad. But if you like the actual, like, giant French-style street I crepe. I say, do you have that big wooden dowel thing, too? Replette? Yeah. Yes. I love the replette. So the replette looks like a squeegee. Like, yes. like, a, like, a, like, like if you're driving down the Bruckner and there's traffic and someone comes with a squeegee. To, it's like that, but made of wood. Wait, where did you get this crepe maker? I went to France. I was on the street. And I had a crepe. And I was like, oh, this is the piece of equipment you need to do this. The stuff we have in the United States is garbage. And, and uh, at, you know, at that time, this is, you know, like, like two decades ago or something, you couldn't really get, uh, you know, you could, maybe you could get them here, but they were really, really expensive. But like Cramp, the actual brand, Crampos, wasn't really brought in here yet. And so I was like, um, uh, I'm just going to buy one, put it in my <laughs> backpack. And it's heavy because it's like heavy, heavy. And I just trudged around Europe with this giant crepe maker, and you know what? Worth it. Totally worth it. Amazing piece of equipment. It has so many spider arms of gas underneath. It's so even, and when you flip the cast iron piece uh, over the, the top, it has like a, a bunch of fins to spread out the gas mm. flame so that it's really even, and it can scream, 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 scream. So here's the thing about crepes. The thing about crepes, when you're making regular crepes, we're about to go into this question in a minute, is recovery time, right? So people are using a, a little stove, and then you're putting a crepe on. You're like, well, the crepe's not that big, so it, what kind of it's, it can't be that big of a deal to cook it. But you're covering the entire surface of your cooking area with wet. And when you cook the cover the entire surface of your cooking area with wet, and you need it to be like a relatively even shade of brown from the middle to the outside, 
and you're using a regular stove, you're hosed. Yeah. You're you're ruined unless you have like a giant thing. So the answer is is that these people who are making their awesome crepes at home have to make it into relatively small pans. Mm-hmm. Like that's the answer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or if you but you know if you maybe if you had like an AccuSteam would be the ultimate thing to make crepes on. But no one AccuSteam does not make a crepe maker. But I guess you could make it in their regular square griddle because you know AccuSteam does. That's the company that what they do is is they literally have a, a double walled stainless uh, like uh, sandwich when they heat the steam up on the inside to such a high pressure that it actually can cook pancakes but the cool thing is they have it at such a high pressure that it can cook pancakes up at like you know 350, 360 it's amazing you ever use one of those Lauren? they're amazing I, I, like, I think I had we had one in culinary school but yeah I See, that's what they do. Culinary school, <laughs> like companies are like, they're, they're like crack dealers. Yeah. They give you your first hit free in culinary school and then you're like, oh, that was awesome when I was using that and then you want to buy one in your, in your restaurant. But apparently it did not work. But anyway, I They should send you one, Dave. Uh, that would be nice. Every would... time I'm on the air with you, you name check AccuSteam. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Maybe it's just something about you, Paul, makes me think of AccuSteam. They have a, don't they have a deep fryer too? Uh, they maybe they make a deep fryer. I don't know. Like I'm buying a what? Really? Yeah, that would be sick. But like I'm like uh, no. Like right now, like we're probably gonna get a CVAP for the new place for hot. Why are you gonna buy our old 3D printer, that giant one? Oh, Nastasia now is bringing up old bad memories. I thought I did buy it. You just have to deliver it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so back to what were we talking about? Cakes. Buckwheat crepes. So anyway, so the deal with a crepe is is a standard crepe batter is like relatively fluid, like one to one or similar with eggs and uh, you know milk, milk flour, like similar to one to one. That eggs, uh, whatever. I salt and I add a little sugar because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a monkey nut or whatever. Anyway, Everyone has to add yeah, sugar. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I add a little bit. I mean, I'm sure I'm a bad human, but whatever. I add vanilla flavor too. You're a silent killer. Yeah, I add vanilla flavor and occasionally like a hit of liqueur and or and or sherry because because you know why? Because it's my freaking house and I can do what I want. Do you do the Grand Marnier kind of thing? Uh, I've never... No, it's just so much money. <laughs> you know what I mean? To actually flame it out? Anyway, anyways, but like... Uh, and, yeah, you know, like, I, I hate to say this because, like, you never know where your bread's going to be buttered next. Speaking of bread buttered, I was at Kansas City and we could talk about, like, their Texas toast machine and the auto buttering. Have you seen these machines, these toasters, and they use the top of the toaster... They have a roll in it that goes through the butter, and it's just basically like a steamroller of butter. And it's just like, it's just like, I'm looking at it, and like my mind is going back to the 1970s. They had this advertisement for cheese where they're like, hanker for a hunker, a slab, a slice, a chunker, hanker for a hunker cheese. And they say, look, a wagon wheel, because they want you to eat cheese in the form of a wagon wheel because they think kids will like it. And so I'm sitting here in Kansas City, and this is a complete non sequitur. My brain's just going, wagon wheel butter, wagon wheel butter. I'm looking at it, I'm watching the toast go in toast by toast by toast by toast by toast and i'm pretty sure that there's something in there for me with a texas toast steam cheese combo it's going to be freaking that's going to be the money in the bank right there that's going to be the money anyways so you want to take a call (laughs) yeah okay then we'll get to buckwheat crepes after it oh they're gone gone. all right so Uh, couldn't wait uh, when you you get them when you get them back uh, just let me know we'll do it But, but back to crepes so the trick with crepes is you make that batter you 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 know you you beat it up and then you let it you let it sit for a long time you strain out the lumps you get rid of the bubbles bubbles are your enemy yes. because they pop and mess up your your they, they mess up your rapletting action and uh, if you have any uh, unhydrated particles of flour at all they just 
tear through your crepe when you're working, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing about crepes is that the you're better off making the batter, letting it hydrate, and then thicker than you need. Mm -hmm. Letting it hydrate 100% for as long as you want, and then thinning it to exactly the right consistency beforehand so that it's right. So, uh, so anyway, so that's a regular crepe. But regular crepes are relatively easy to work with if you follow those simple instructions. You, you, know, you take your ladle, you go broop, you put it onto your crepe maker, and you just take your raplette and you drop it down and you gently wipe it in a circular motion. The crepe gets large, it gets beautiful, you see it get brown, you flip it over, maybe you paste it with butter or spray it with Pam or whatever in the hell you do. I don't know what you do, it's your house. You flip it over, you take it off, and then, you know, the thing is, what do you think about reheating the crepes? What do you think about people like making the stack and then reheating it as opposed to just making them? They're better when they're just made. They, oh, absolutely, yeah. Um... I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that that's never happened, you right. know, and, and I'll eat them and everything like that. But yeah, and honestly, I, I kind of think you only really notice if you did it side to side, like side by side. Like if you had them fresh earlier that morning and then later on that day you reheat them. Yeah, you're like, OK, it's not as good. But if they didn't, if you know. Right. OK, how about this one? Best crepe, best dosa. Where do I find them? No, no. Oh. No, like which would you eat right now if I oh. hand it to you? Uh, I don't know, right now, crepe, I would say, really? because I haven't had a crepe in probably two years. Yeah, Paul? I would eat ten doses really? while you were ten. still trying to yeah. hand me the crepe. Yeah, <laughs> and Nastasi's like, I don't like either crap on you. Uh, so the, am I right or no? No, I would eat the crepe. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so let's get to the actual question. Now Dosas about crisp crepe. up. You know what? This, this, the secret, I think, is like is first of all, like the interesting thing about doses is doses, and the reason I bring them up is unlike a standard crepe, they are a gluten-free recipe, and they rely on the natural hydrocolloids in the doll um, to create their texture, and they use a mixture of doll, like so you have like a an, you know an urad doll and like rice. And then, like, but, like, this one place out in Queens, they're like, our secret is we add a little bit of chano, chickpea, to it, and that's how they get their texture. And I have to say, their stuff's pretty on point. Oh, yeah. But what's interesting about the, and again, the reason I bring dosa up is because dosa does have that crispy texture, and it is a gluten-free kind of a situation. And so, like, you look at dosa technology. But anyway, so let's see what, let's see what problems Caleb is having with, uh, with galettes a.k.a. buckwheat crepes. Part of my perfect Sunday morning involves a big batch of crepes with various accompaniments, both sweet, butter, lemon, sugar, and savory, egg and gruyere. Ooh, I like myself some gruyere. Even Nastasia likes herself some gruyere. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, do you know what I like? I like cheesesteak with gruyere. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. Oh, you know, fancy. It's not, I mean, it is fancy in the sense that it costs money. Fridge. What? You have a cheese fridge. I have a, I have a wine fridge that was given to me, and I put cheese into it when I have cheese. You know what else is good on cheesesteak, though? Queso. You like queso? Mm. Love the queso. Is there anyone that doesn't like queso? Alex Dupac. No, just kidding. Come on. <laughs> he doesn't like queso? No, actually, no, he actually... Uh, is it Nasa? No, at Cosina, <laughs> at Cosina he, redid his, he, he redid a version of a Tex-Mex queso... But, of course, he schmancied it up. I believe that. But I'm saying if he goes to somebody's house and they have Rotel and Velveeta and chips, does he dip into... Of course. Yes. Because you know why? It tastes good. Yeah. That's why. But if anyone Instagrammed him doing that, he'd be like... He'd be like, Smash your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's what I love. Don't do that to Stupak. You know what I mean? Don't, don't... You know what? Like... 
Imagine if Nastasia hung out with him every day that he would be oh, dead God. because you would boil his blood on a constant That's basis because there's nothing true. Nastasia loves more than finding someone who she can make like their blood boil and then like set on boil, jet boil, jet boil, jet boil, jet boil. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like, a, like you know what? It's like it's like Nastasia likes to play people like Joust. Do you remember that video game Joust? I love Joust. Yeah, it's it's a you're, it's it's knights on ostriches and they flap their wings and you have to keep it at just the right level because if you let go, they crash and you can't get them back up again. But if you go too high, they fly up. And Nastasia is the master Joust player with people's <laughs> anger, so she keeps people like right at the layer where they're flapping at that like one level of anger. Anyways. Uh, I have long mastered basic crepes, we're back to the question, uh, and produce pleasing, delicate, lacy key crepes based on a batter of AP flour, eggs, and milk. Occasionally, I'll go 50-50 with rye, whole wheat, or buckwheat. Whole wheat, actually, a pain in the butt with crepes, unless you have very finely milled yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's going to tear your crepe. Yeah, you know what I really like for whole wheat? Soft flour is like, um, is like uh, chapati flour, because it's like, it is, I believe, whole or gram, but like it's... It's very fine, like flowery. It doesn't have those like brand particles that are gonna mess your stuff up. How you doing there? Boring. He's boring. You away. He's yeah. so boring. Uh, I, okay. And yet the traditional buckwheat galette eludes me. This savory crepe made from uh, in, uh, made in, from Brittany, made only with buckwheat flour and water. Most articles on them seem to suggest they are impossible to make at home without adding eggs under milk. But uh, to me, this creates a different product. When I mix bu- whatever, when I mix buckwheat flour and water and let it sit overnight and try to make crepes the next day, they don't spread well. They stick and they come out too thick despite thinning the batter. Uh, and then you know the um, he comes out with uh, says, look at David Leibowitz's um, uh, article, uh, pimp my crepes. I'm not sure. Like I don't think it's acceptable anymore to say you're pimping. Like, if you really think about what pimping is, it's not cool. Like you don't want to pimp your you know turn your pimp into. What do you think, Paul? You want to turn your crepe into a sex slave? <laughs> Back to the question. Okay. Um, <laughs> what's going on here? Some suggest that the creperies have higher heat than home stoves. That is true. Yeah. That's definitely. just straight up true. Uh, but I'm not buying. You should buy it. Their stuff is sick. Yeah. Those crampooses are sick. Doesn't mean you can't make it at home. Uh, yes, buckwheat has little or no gluten. No, I think. Uh, but you know what? Someone's like, it's not a grain. I read this on the internet. It's not a grain. It's a seed. What do you think freaking grains are? <laughs> If you plant one of those things, it grows. And you know what that makes it? A seed. Anyway, um, are there any uh, tricks, suggestions, or thoughts as to what's going on and what make uh, what magic the creperies have that I am missing? Many thanks. Look forward to seeing your lecture in Cambridge next week. That's too late. That was last week. And then P.S. Nastasia, I also dislike cumin. Do you, are you a cumin or a cumin sayer, people? I'm a cumin sayer. I'm cumin. 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 Well, cumin. We're all cumin here. Yeah. But you say aunt. Say aunt. <laughs> yeah, really? That's true. Uh-huh. Yeah. I say my aunt Sandy. Uh huh. We were born in Stanford. Auntie Jen. If it's auntie, it's not auntie. No, I say auntie. I, say I, I would never say auntie. I'd say you auntie. Say auntie and matter. Aunt. I do say auntie matter. That's that would be that would be my like my drag science teacher name, <laughs> auntie matter. Um, but the okay. So uh, I dislike cumin and thought I was the only one. To me, it smells like B.O. Not that that stops my wife from using it all the time. Well, you can't have chili without cumin. You can't. It's not chili. It's not real. What is it, Nastasi, without cumin? Soup. Tomato soup. (laughs) Uh, You know, tomato beef soup. Do you like pork chili? I think so. Yeah? I like pork chili. Like, not like, you know, a traditional... Like thing, but flavor of chili, meat of pork. Mm-hmm. It's good, right? I agree. Yes. 
Very okay. Good. So uh, my tips and tricks. One, I went. I went on the internets and I looked up to see some actual. How do you pronounce Britney? Breton. How do you pronounce those guys? Anyway, like the Britney people, yeah, right? Breton. Uh, making uh, their their galettes, and uh, they do not use the same raplette technique as a standard AP flour crepe maker. So I would look at what they do. So when you're like I told you, when you're making a standard crepe, you're like put it, you're ladling it down, and then you're like you're wiping it through. These folks, they put it on pretty hard. It spreads out like pretty good from the get-go. And then they do like a double push to push it out into a wider thing. And then they just do a touch-up with the replette to get it around. So they're not using the standard wipe-around technique that you would use. They're using a different push technique. One. Two, I really think the key here is long, long hydration. I really think the key is going to be letting the batter, making it thicker than you want, resting it. Not 100% thick, but thicker than you want, letting it rest overnight. And there's two things that are going on here. I don't know the, and this is why another reason I brought up doses earlier. I don't know the actual chemistry of what's going on here, but I know that other gluten-free things like millets, if you ferment or even lightly ferment millet for, let's say, 12 hours before you use it, you have a much better rheology texture in your batters and doughs that are made with the millet because as they ferment, they make other stuff that actually helps the batter, right? Mm -hmm. And so my guess is, is if the standard full-on like, you know, Breton galette is with a batter that is at least overnight or possibly longer old, that it probably don't work unless you do that. They also, uh, you know, the Leibowitz thing said that they use organic flour. This might mean French for bad flour, i.e. damaged flour. And so maybe the damaged flour is helping out. I don't know. Because often recipes, if you have damaged starch granules, act very differently. Right, Lauren? Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah, so like the flour they're using might be different than the flour you're using. So I would look to buy like like a similar kind of flour to the one they're using, I would look to rest it overnight because uh, for two reasons, like I said, there's probably some fermentation going on which will change the rheology and it, they will also finish the hydration. And like hydration and letting it like like hydrate properly I think is a key in many recipes that don't involve gluten. Mm -hmm. It just is. Like doses like take forever because you have to soak them, then grind them, then ferment them to get them to work right. Um, so I would say those are the two keys, and I would look at videos on the internet for people's replet technique to see whether you get Absolutely, it right. Absolutely, yeah. And they're everywhere right now. I mean, honestly, you go on Instagram and you can see a ton of them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I love, I, yeah, I love me. Like, I've learned so much. You know what I haven't learned from YouTube yet? The accurate uh, uh, Turkish coffee technique. I'm just not good at it. No. Wait, not, but, I'm not good but at you it. know a lot about, what's his name? Dax's favorite guy. Oh my god, Dax watches these terrible YouTube people. And then he gets mad. He's like, they're my idol. I'm like, so there's this guy. He's like the most famous, like one of the top paid YouTube people on earth. Paid he's, for what? He's, for to being, be on YouTube? Being, yeah, being on YouTube. His name is uh, Luke, pa Luke Paul. And his brother, Luke Paul? One of these Paul brothers. Anyways. RuPaul? He, not, I wish it was RuPaul. If it was RuPaul, that would be awesome. Yeah, but, like, no, this is just a guy who is, like, a 21-year-old, like, like guy who breaks plates and has millions of followers. He'll, like, walk into a hotel and break a plate on the internet. Anyway, so... You want to take a quick break on your tongue? Yeah, 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 yeah. So here's the thing. So, like, so Dax's dirtbag buddy, one of his friends, has a shirt from this guy, and it says, Maverick. I'm like, you can't glom on to someone's internet personality and be a maverick. They don't fit. Does, it yeah. doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. I'm wearing a t-shirt that just says what I am. Low quality individual. That's just true. 
You know what I mean? Maverick. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back with more cooking issues. <laughs> Bob's Red Mills products stand the test of time, even if we're talking about the beginning of time. Bob's has a wide range of paleo-friendly products, but what is paleo anyway? So yeah, I've been doing the paleo diet for a couple months now, and I'm feeling great. I think I'm going to stick with it. I keep hearing about this paleo diet. Doesn't it just mean you, like, eat a lot of steaks or something? I love brunch too much to stick to one specific diet. I get that, but it's mostly about cutting out processed foods and simple carbohydrates. According to the paleo diet, our bodies weren't genetically designed to digest that stuff. Well, I don't know about the whole genetic argument. Besides, I don't know why anyone would cut out bread who wasn't allergic to it. I love bread. You're just mad because you wouldn't be able to give it up. I dare you to try paleo with me for the next week. I know you love bread and sweets made with traditional flours, but Bob's Red Mill makes a paleo baking flour, so you can make cookies, muffins, even pizza crust while sticking to the caveman diet. Cookies and pizza. Okay, that changes things. I'm in. No matter what diet you follow, Bob's Red Mill has you covered. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Wait, what? Why is that on our show? Wait, what was it? Pale- what? The reason I've been avoiding pizza is because it's processed. <laughs> if I have a pizza that's completely as it comes off the tree. Yeah, you, then, you know what was really a net loss for humanity? Agriculture. I know. You know what I mean? Because you know what? You know what? There is there's so many paths that would have led to the iPhone that don't go through agriculture first. That's <laughs> true. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what? It's like, I'm pretty sure... Yeah, that we would still have music and culture if we were gathering berries. Oh, wait. We would only be able to live in, like, the five places on Earth that have food all the time. You know what I mean? No, we'd be nomadic, and our apps would help us find the food. (laughs) Anyone take a call? Caller, you're on the air. Hey there. Uh, What's up, Nat? Nastasia, David, Dave, uh, crying baby, and uh, I believe I heard Paul in the background there. Yeah, yeah. This is Paul and uh, Lauren. Uh, I'm, this is Marcel calling from the, a uh, bed of kohlrabi in the Hudson Valley. Oh, nice. Are you, like, so instead of using hemlock boughs to make your camping beds, you're just like lying in kohlrabi? That'd be amazing. Exactly. Awesome. All right. <laughs> so my question is, uh, I've been, there's a lot of, uh, really nice wild grapes that grow up here, uh, and I've been making wild uh, grape syrup. And uh, I like, when I make it, I do it at a lower temperature, like I, I do it in sous vide at like 130 or 120 sometimes, um, because I feel like when I cook it, it gets this sort of, like the flavor almost of when you think of fruit on a pie, um, it, that really cooked sort of berry flavor. Uh-huh. Um, and I want to make some kind of jelly out of it, because I really uh, like, I think it would taste good as a jelly, but I don't want it to have that classic sort of cooked flavor. Um, and all the recipes I find involve like boiling it with the pectin um, and other steps like that. So I'm basically wondering for advice on a something that's sort of like a jelly, but it is made without boiling it uh, at any point. Mm. All right. So, I mean, the thing is that those low temperatures, 
you're just really pasteurizing it, right? I mean, you're just looking to pasteurize it. They, at those temperatures, they won't even pop, right? Right. So basically, I'm putting all of the grapes in a bag with sugar, and then I sous vide it and I massage it every once in a while to get as much of the juice out as I can. Uh, so yeah, I'm not really cooking it. Got it. Here's what I would do. So I'll, I'll tell you a, a technique that I did never for service because it's a huge pain in the butt, but maybe it'll give you an idea uh, based on it. So I once took a strawberry, clarified it, um, removed like like enough water that I was up uh, at like 70-something 70, 70 percent uh, solids in the liquid. It was like, or even a little bit higher, so it was like, like a syrup it would have set. And then I he like heated a bunch of sugar until it was, you know, just starting to blonde out, right? So it was like, would have been candy. And then I mixed the two things together to make like a taffy. And that because I never cooked the strawberry because it was low temperature, even though I was mixing it into a high temperature thing, right, it still retained mm -hmm. because it cooled off relatively quickly. So what I'm about to recommend to you is this. I would make a like sugar pectin, some grape or grape juice with some sugar, reduce it, add a boat ton of pectin because you're going to need it, right? Then mm -hmm. like do the boil out then fold in your warm uh, I wouldn't go cold because you're gonna get pre-gel and all this other stuff but I'd then I'd fold in your warm uh, grapes so that you maintain now that is not gonna last because you haven't cooked those grapes so if you've pasteurized uh -huh. them you're probably not gonna get sick but it's going to weep like a mother over time and I know this because my classic strategy for blueberry pie because blueberry pie Lauren right around you gotta eat it right away anyway absolutely so I cheat uh -huh. I cheat on my pies I blind bake the crust why because I suck and then I make a blueberry basically jelly fundamentally mm -hmm. I pour it hot into my blind bake crust and then I throw a bunch of fresh blueberries into it they sink down and it's good for exactly one day and then uh -huh. the fresh blueberries turn to garbage what do you think what do you think about any, any suggestions uh paul or lauren what's going on here with the pie no 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 with the grapes <laughs> i'm just saying the things that i've yeah. done is similar like like what make like, that jam with don't cook the grapes but cook the pectin and keep it in the freezer so it doesn't weep freezer but mm -hmm. you can't eat frozen jelly yeah, you can. Really? Yeah, it's gelatinous. Do you know, you're familiar with Sam Mason's awesome uh, frozen like uh, liquid nitrogen jelly technique in ice cream? No. He freezes the jelly mm. in liquid nitrogen until it shatters, shatters like glass, yeah. then puts it into the ice cream and then lets it melt out in these awesome blobs. It's, that's why, I mean, like, you got to love Sam, right? Oh, totally. Sam, good man. Smart man. He's in <laughs> supermarkets now. Man is really? man. Him personally or yes. his products? He's worked I saw him in a supermarket. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Be like, I'm, I'm going to check out. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Sam, what's up, man? Like, so Can you crazy. Can please? You imagine, like, the, like, the kind of coolest checkout guy ever? Like, this, like, tall pastry chef. You know what? Like, he's like a younger kind of, like, and alive, like, Chris Cornell. He's got that Chris Cornell vive, doesn't he? A little bit? Some sort of, he's got a rock and roll vibe. He does. I mean. he, he does. He has a rock he and roll does. vibe. All right. Anyway, is this making any sense, Grapes? Yeah, that makes sense. That, my only question would be if there's something else you could think of that I could add that would somehow prevent the weeping, or if there's no way. No, to but do you're that. not cooking it. Oh, you're smashing them though. Yeah, you could stabilize it with. Uh, I don't know what hydrocolloid would I use? 
but I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of a, like any hydrocolloid you stabilize. The good thing about pectin, pectin very good with flavor release, very very good. That's why those like uh, you know those those pectin based candies are pretty good. Is that they have a very high flavor release or like uh, what do you call those pet pate fruit? Which I love those suckers. Oh, yeah. Well, that's actually at first when when he was asking the question, I was in my mind saying, well, he said jelly, but is he talking about like jellies like pet de fruit? But it clearly was. Yeah, but that would be really like hard him. to do. Yeah. Well, and also, I was questioning, are the grapes green or red or... What do you got? Uh, these are, like, they're wild upstate grapes, so they're basically, like, tiny Concord grapes, kind of. Oh, okay, good. Because I was going to say one of the biggest issues with not cooking the grapes, too, would also be that they would oxidize and look brown and gross. Right, but he's taking them to, like... Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he's pasteurizing yeah. them. He's killing the yeast on them right. with his temperature. By the way, have you read The Grapes of New York, uh, edited by U.P. Hedrick? No, I what? Should do that, though, because I'm pretty obsessed with them. So yeah, so you need to go Sounds on the great. internet right now, Internet Archive, and look up the Grapes of New York, part of the Fruits of New York series, edited with the exception of Apples of New York, which was edited by S.A. Beach, edited by U.P. Hedrick, and it is available on the internets. And the Grapes of New York, I believe, has wild type varieties and also all the weird, obscure uh, ones with plates. I can't remember the year of Grapes of New York, but my guess is it's somewhere like 19... It's either like like 1920 or 1919 or something like that, but go check it out. U.P. Uh-huh. Hedrick. Cool. And believe it or not, awesome. he's from the upper peninsula cool. of, uh, of uh, Michigan. 1908, the internet says. 1908. Well, thank God for the internet. There you go. The last one, the last series they did was in the 20s, and it was The Vegetables of New York, but they never finished it. And my favorite title of all of the series is The Cucurbits of New York. Because <laughs> it's like <laughs> melons, cucumbers, cucurbits. And so like, uh, like, the, like there's a couple like um, – are you familiar with uh, uh, the group Culture from Jamaica, the reggae group? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in my head, like I have – whenever I hear that word, I'm like – Ding, 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 cucurbit, 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 <laughs> taking over. I don't know why. For some reason, it's in my head anyway. So I have reggae cucurbit going through my head right now. But anyway, tell us what goes on with this, and uh, let, me know, uh, let, me, let me know how it works out, and, and uh, maybe someone in the uh, chat room here has some uh, suggestions. We're out of time, Awesome. Dave. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. All right, cool. Wait, I was like, uh, we have no time? You got through one question. Uh, no, I got to say bye. What'd you say? We got, we got to say goodbye. Uh, all right, listen. Uh, on the way out, uh, Spinzols have started showing up. Uh, we hope you like them. We've shipped. Uh, apparently, all of them have left Hong Kong, but we don't have individual tracking numbers for uh, non-U.S. and for about, I think, 40 of you guys that are in the U.S. Uh, but like Southern California, SoCal, where you guys are from, they've already received, uh, most of the people in SoCal have received their stuff. Um, let us know how it works. Uh, email Matthew at BookerAndDax.com if you have any questions or comments. Uh, we want to hear from you. We want to help you uh, use them better. And thanks for coming, Lauren. Thanks, Paul. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Now they're happy. What are you playing there? Anyway, uh, cooking issues. <laughs> listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. 
Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thank you.